Grace to you and peace from God the Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I want to begin by acknowledging that um, several weeks ago I had asked Dean Burrison to include the particular hymn that we just sang as the hymn of the day because I had at first glance at the Old Testament reading identified what I thought was my tack. Um, but things changed and uh, I realized that um, this morning one of those truths that still astound us in the, the closing verse is this business of being holy. The Old Testament reading has a familiar passage. Yahweh says through Moses, you will or you shall be holy, for holy am I, Yahweh your God. The pronoun you is plural, and so is the adjective holy in the first part of that sentence. They make the language distributive. Each Israelite is to be holy. It won't be enough if most of the sons of Israel are holy. All are to be. So how do we get a handle on this holy or holiness thing? Leviticus chapters 17 through 26 have been described as the holiness code. The section flows pretty naturally out of the preceding material, especially the prescriptions about the Day of Atonement in chapter 16. Chapter 17 and 18 focus on behavior that demonstrates with perhaps particular vehemence affront to God. Refusal to bring one's sacrifice to the proper location rejects where the Lord has promised to meet his people. Eating the blood, the locus of life, also robs God of what belongs only to him. And sexual misconduct of any sort contradicts God's created order of, for marriage, family, and society, and by extension, therefore, violates the intimacy of the relationship between God and his people, of which sexual relationships, relationships between male and female, are an image. What's more is that Leviticus 18 associates sexual corruption with Egypt and Canaan. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You shall not do as they do in the land of Egypt where you lived, and you shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan to which I am bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. You shall follow my rules and keep my statutes and walk in them. I am the Lord your God. What follows is a catalog of almost entirely sexual practices. The exception is the prohibition against offering one's children to Molech. These practices are not to be practiced in Israel. And then today we hear the complementary positive directive, you shall be holy. The Egyptian mind and the Canaanite mind meet the mind of Yahweh. Yesterday afternoon, a fair number of the faculty met to talk about an article by Dr. Kolb in last fall's Concordia Journal. The article was about the ecclesiology of the Lutheran confessions. One of the questions we talked about yesterday posited a shift in the public definition of the Christian religion from a religion dominated by the performance of ritual and or the regulation of a proper polity to a religion of teaching. 
The prohibitions against especially the incestual sexual relations in Leviticus 18 seem to be little else than prohibitions, but they are more than that. They actually do represent a different mind or mindset about the relation between a people and their God. The social structure or polity of the Canaanite mind admitted no sexual boundaries, and this polity was sanctioned by that nation's god or gods. The sexual practices of Canaan were cultic, ritual. Israel's polity and ritual were to be different because their relationship with Yahweh would be different, rooted in his holiness. In his introduction to the Old Testament, Horace Hummel argues that the biblical understanding of holiness is sacramental. In things that are sacramental, something of God, uncreated, operates in, with, and under something mundane, worldly, created. What is of God is not seen directly, but only indirectly. The actions of Leviticus 19 exhibit holiness, not of themselves, but as they proceed from a proper relationship with the Lord. I think it's deliberate that the order of presenting these actions does not follow the order of the commandments in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. In fact, here the sixth commandment is omitted. I guess it got enough coverage in Leviticus 18. And the first commandment is, well, sort of shaded from direct view except for a brief remark about idols, what I call commandment 1A. It is deliberate because life doesn't happen one commandment at a time. Life is scrambled and a scramble. The point here is that whatever else shows up, whatever life's changes and chances present, holiness shows up. We are afforded an opportunity to be holy and to do what is holy. In the study of the Gospels, scholars have tried to organize Jesus' public ministry chronologically. They tried to figure out how many Judean and how many Galilean mission trips he conducted, how many times he visited Jerusalem and so forth, but maybe Peter said it best when he told Cornelius' household, you know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power? and how he, Jesus, went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Jesus going around was not aimless, but he wasn't controlled by a PDA or a smartphone either. Being holy happens in going around doing good. Micah reminded his hearers, he, Yahweh, has showed you, O man, what is good. He might as well have said he has showed you what is holy, doing justice, loving kindness, walking humbly with your God. The abominable practices of the nations, especially the Canaanites whom Israel was going to displace, defiled the land. How could the land be dealt with from the perspective of holiness? WWYD, what would Yahweh do? Or better, WDYD, what does Yahweh do? The Holy One of Israel gives sun and rain to the righteous and the wicked, to the just and the unjust. So, when you reap your harvest, do not reap to the very edges of the field. Do not glean your vineyard or pick up the fallen grapes. 
Leave them for the poor and the sojourner. I am Yahweh, your God. What is being holy? Stuff like this. Not stealing, not lying, not profaning God's name, being a good employer by paying your workers on time, if you're on jury duty, deciding without prejudice, being poor in spirit, meek, merciful, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, enduring persecution on account of Jesus the Son and the Father who sent him. The root of our being holy is the holiness of God. You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And I'll do here what I did in my comments for lectionary at lunch. You shall be holy, for holy is, I am Yahweh your God. That phrase, I am Yahweh your God, or simply I am Yahweh, occurs with a significant frequency throughout this holiness code. I am persuaded that it is a shorthand for the complete formula I am Yahweh your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of a house of slaves. The root of our holiness is the, in the holiness and especially in the act of Yahweh to redeem his people. Israel would be holy when it had and exhibited the mind of Yahweh, who on account of his promise brought Israel out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. The root of our holiness is in the holiness of Christ and his act to redeem us. We are holy when we have the mind of Christ who, though God became man, submitted to death, indeed died a rebel's death, a criminal's death, the just for the unjust, the righteous for the unrighteous. This holy one died for the unholy and rose again that we may be his own a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession, that we may be his own and live under him in his kingdom, declaring in and by holy lives the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through faith in Jesus Christ unto life everlasting. Amen.